Daniel chapter 3 today in the Word of God. Daniel chapter 3. Going to ask you to listen on purpose today. I hope you do every Sunday. But my heart is burdened, ladies and gentlemen, for a nation that I love dearly. Not only for the nation, but for the entire world in which we live. I, I am just burdened that I don't want to see America fall. And I want, I want to see a revival before the end, becoming of the Christ. Amen? So, follow me this morning. And I just want to give you what I feel is on my heart. The world is looking for God. The world is searching and hungry for God. However, the world is looking for a God they can utilize for their own purposes. Our world's looking for a God that will give them temporal, current, material answers. Our world's looking for a God that will authorize their desires. We want a God that agrees with how we want to live. Because of the present woes on planet earth, leaders are looking for even miraculous answers. Even our own society and other national leaders, we have actually made statements that we perhaps need a Messiah. We need supernatural direction. So let me be very plain. I want to tell you something. The human being, species, no matter how powerful or what position or what rank or power, I will tell you they do not have the answers to a very complex world. Yahweh, Jehovah, God, sometimes to allow years, even lifetimes of stumbling one to realize there is indeed, listen to the words, only one holy. And I will tell you this, we struggle with this thing called holiness because God is in perfection and of course we are quite enamored with imperfection. But I will tell you this, I would not serve a God that is not holy. I will not serve a God that is manipulable. I will not serve a God that I can cause to bow to me to bless what I intend or what I want. Because actually, I'm God and He's serving me. Think about that. Every generation has to make answer this question. However, eventually, through every generation, all eventually discover, here or in eternity, that God, Jehovah, Yahweh, is God. He is omnipotent. There is none like Him. There is none His equal. He has really not even a decent rival. Every human being that does, ever has, or will exist, will at one time 
or another recognize God's dominion, His will, His perfection, His holiness, His plan for the ages. One king had a very vivid picture of what happens when you experience about who God is, especially if you try to rival Him. We're going to read about Him. Daniel chapter 3. Let's take a few moments to read. This is the story about the three Hebrew children. I trust you know it. If you do not, I'm going to pick up the story. The king has made a decree. You're going to hear the band of the king play the instruments. And when you do, you have to bow to the image of his God. So he's got a little trouble. There's Christians among them. How many of you know we won't bow to another God? So verse 13 of chapter 3, Daniel. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, these three guys, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time you hear all the music, fall down and worship the image which I have made. I skipped there. Good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is the God or who is that God that would deliver you from my hands? Men can bloat their egos till we can't even recognize them sometimes. We get arrogant because we think we have authority and power. Who is a God that can protect you against me? <laughs> 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered. Go down to 17. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, as if in the present, as if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Uh-oh, we're on two sides here. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated, and he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, their other garments, and were cast in the midst of the burning furnace. Therefore, because the king commanded commandment or command urgent was urgent, and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, I think the Holy Spirit wants us to know their names. <laughs> they fell down into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Let's get this straight. The guy that threw them in were mighty men. These are three young, small Hebrew young men. The fiery furnace killed those guys. Here they fall down. Watch verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. Something 
happened. And he rose in haste and spoke saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said, O king, true. Look, he answered, I see four men loose. Four men loose. I know this happened in history. It's historically proven. I want you to look with me in the future because I want you to watch something. Here's, here's men of every generation opposing God. Here's a witness from the believer that will not bend or bow and thank God they will not burn. Suddenly, when God gives his people a victory, watch what happens. Place it in our time and in our near future. I want you to catch this. Look, I see four men walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth one is like the son of God then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fire furnace and spoke saying Shadrach Meshach Abednego servants watch his tone watch how he changed it here's a man that is stricken with fear he said to these three men servants of the most high God the whole world's going to say that one day. Come out, come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, the administrators, governors, the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men. Watch this description on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected. And the smell of fire was not on them. I want to tell you, when God saves you, he saves you. When you're marked holy and considered righteous, God says we're righteous. Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, who sent his angel. Listen, this is what's going to happen to us. Who sent his angel. How many of you know who that angel was? That's the Christ, pre-incarnate Christ, walked right in that fire with them. Do you know we have an angel coming after us to deliver us? Do you know it's the same Christ? <laughs> they delivered his servants who trusted him, and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. I want us to make that commitment today. Therefore, listen to how he changed. I make a decree that any people, nation, or language who speaks anything <laughs> amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut to pieces. He still thought he had some power. And their houses will be made an ash heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this. <laughs> Father, help me to help us recognize who is really God. Thank you, Lord. Nebuchadnezzar, in his overconfidence and in his arrogance and in his short-lived power, snarled at another God. But before the day was over, he would announce to all nations, blessed be the God, 
and I want to say it then and now. There's coming a day when the world's leaders are going to say, blessed be the God of the Christian. Here it was Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants and silenced all the words of all the earthly kings. Therefore I decree that every people, nation, and language shall speak about this God with respect and grand regard and with fear, for I am the Lord eternal. Because there is no God that can deliver like this God. I want to remind us just hours before Nebuchadnezzar stood in his pride and in his arrogance with his false sense of power. Ladies and gentlemen, the so-called gods of this world and the princes of darkness with all their counterfeit power cry out this hour, who is the God that can deliver you from us? They cry, our God is as powerful, if not more powerful, than yours. So I want us to reason just a minute. Wouldn't you think that history, that history could give us a proper answer? Wouldn't you think that history would be teacher enough? But things are so quickly and easily forgotten by every generation. For centuries, people of all kinds, political, social, financial, cultural, position, have learned a powerful lesson. And let it be heard again in 2021. It is a dangerous thing to belittle God before his world. It is a lesson this generation is soon to learn. I believe we're in the last days. We're arrogant. We believe that men have the power and men have all the answers and science has all the answers. I want to tell you, there are things that you will not figure out in mathematics or a slide rule or a test tube because God is far beyond those items. History teaches us. In the Old Testament, Jezebel insulted God and her generation witnessed a dog destroy her body in the very streets of the city she reigned. They knew who God was in that day. In the Old Testament, Ahaziah insulted God. He sent 150 soldiers to destroy one prophet and his generation learned what it was to insult God. Read about Jeroboam in the Old Testament. He insulted God and lost his own son because he would not recognize who God was and his generation found out who God was. Read about Athaliah, the wicked grandmother that killed all of her grandchildren, so she, all of her grandsons except one, and Jehoshaphat hit him, but she insulted God, killing those who were to reign so she could reign, killing her grandsons, and let me tell you, her generation saw what happens when you insult God? And in the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira, I believe it's Acts 5, insulted God and their generation learned what it was to insult God. But God has also answered Nebuchadnezzar's question, Nebuchadnezzar's question through the centuries to those who have honored him. 
Not only did we understand that God could destruct and God was a God of justice and judgment, thank God as we see the three Hebrew children from the beginning as creator of beautiful universe, as we follow history how God has met with us, He in the beginning from creation to delivering Israel to the seed of the woman, through the Pentateuch, the five first books of the scripture, through the kings and the judges and the Psalms and the major prophets and the minor prophets and the New Testament age and by the miracles of his son, by the death, resurrection and the Holy Spirit endowment of the spirit in the New Testament, even to this day, the redeemer of lost humanity is a provider for those who believe in him. And once this generation has graduated from its class and experience, I believe riding on a white steed, wearing a golden vesture, and on the riding, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And when that happens, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Lord Jehovah Yahweh God is the eternal God. Bless his holy name. To me, the grandest thing that I can imagine, I can't figure it out. All I can do is like the electricity. I know very little about electricity. I don't know what it takes to produce it. I know you can get hurt by it. I know just enough to be really dangerous. But this much I do know, even though I don't understand it all, I can flip that switch and enjoy it. This much overwhelms me. I cannot imagine that God would take the likes of somebody like me, but I get to flip that switch of salvation, and I know him personally. I know him personally. He walks with me. He talks with me. He speaks through me. He guides me. He teaches me. He helps me. You say, well, pastor, you need some more help. I know, but just thank God he's brought me this far. <laughs> the three Hebrew children were in a hot spot. All Nebuchadnezzar, I hope you get the picture. All Nebuchadnezzar wanted was just a little consideration. I'm in charge. All he wanted was a little bending, just a little giving, just a little compromise. In the spirit of when in Rome, do like the Romans. So we've decided today that we can sin a little here and sin a little here and ignore God's word here. And our Bible is getting smaller all the time because we're cutting out the parts we don't want to deal with. And we're trying to change the language so that we can include everybody. I want to tell you something. That's been spoken years ago. There is room at the cross. And whosoever will, let them come. Just some compromise. Today, it sounds more like, let's just not get too fanatical. Let's be relevant. After all, pastor, we're in the 21st century. And that was old and traditional. And let me tell you, public sentiment may have voted to forgive this trio, these young men, 
forgive the trio's compromise. After all, that's just between them and God. I want to tell you something. People that say that's just between me and God, there's an element of truth to that, but I want to share something with you. You and I are assigned as witnesses to tell them. But there's a major principle here that I don't want us to miss. Nebuchadnezzar had made this an issue between heaven and earth, between right and wrong. How many of you know that I could take some issues in our world today and go right here and talk about the principle that's involved? Let me just touch on one or two. How about abortion? Let me tell you, that's not just a human decision. That's eternal. That's between God and his creature. The cause of God was involved in this action. Church, young people, mom and dad, all ages, make no mistake about this day in which you and I live. The issues may have different modes. The principles may have different language. The lines may be very obscure, but the two opposing forces are the same as it was in Nebuchadnezzar and the three Hebrew children, and the principles are the same. Anything, I want you to hear me, young people. Hear me online. Anything short of absolute truth. And we have been telling for the last 40 years in our so-called higher institution of learning that there is no such thing as absolute truth. I declare to you there are absolute truths and you better believe them. Well, see, if we can do away with absolute truth, we can justify any kind of culture and any kind of living that we want. Man becomes his own God. He answers to nobody but himself. That's why there is a major blindness, and I mean an absolute spiritual oppression, that today truth is dead in the streets of our own nation. Anything short, hear me, anything short of absolute truth and anything short of absolute principle, anything short of biblical holiness, anything short of God being the only one true God, and anything short of the requirement that you and I are to be obedient to the one true holy God, it is compromise, and the scripture says in the last days, if we're there, we will be spewed out because we're lukewarm. I know, that I, I know, I, 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 I'm not popular in the ranks of preachers today who say, bless me, bless me. Let me tell you something. I, w- I want you to understand something. If you live outside the will of God, you also live outside the blessings of God. If you live outside the will of God, you will experience the blessings of the sin season. But here's the difference. If you live inside the will of God and experience God's blessings, they are yea and amen, and they are true, and they are righteous forever, and you can go to heaven. But if you live outside the will of God, and you live outside the blessings of God, you can enjoy the sin season for a while, but here's the difference in Satan's blessings and God's blessings. God always adds blessings and keeps it after the blessing of Satan. It's always added sorrow. That's in the book, ladies and gentlemen. Satan always adds sorrow to the pleasure season. 
Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he reaps it. Every generation had to make it stand. And let me repeat this again. This book, Our God, in all that's within our Christian faith, is the only genuine eternal values this world will ever know. And God will always have a people who will say, as for me and my house, we will serve this God. We will serve this God. Nebuchadnezzar was at the summit of his power. He got elected president. Nebuchadnezzar had attended the great, introduced the great statue, an idol of the image of his war god. And because he had conquered every small army all about him, he desired to celebrate his, notice, universal sovereignty. Everybody must bow under my jurisdiction. I said earlier, how can we inflate our ego? The decree to bow, the decree to obey was actually an homage to him. The decree in general was obeying. Here, here's the thing. The theme song today is like it was then. Just bow. You know why, young people? Because everybody's doing it. I want to tell you something. There's a remnant of God today that believes God in holding a line on righteousness. Not everybody's doing it. God has a remnant. But I believe the choice not to bow for three young men had to, rem had to remind Nebuchadnezzar, watch this, that after all, there are those who look beyond you. There are those who look higher than you. There are those who look above you for a king and a powerful God. Nebuchadnezzar had only two choices. He either had to admit at once that there was one above him or place himself above the eternal. Pharaoh said to Moses, Who is Jehovah that I should obey him? This voice who says, Let Israel go. Church, how empty the boast and unbounding the folly of men who challenge Jehovah God to a conflict. The Goliath sneer today at the Davids. If you think that the Christian in being sneered today in America, you need to wake up. If you think everything we hold dear and what we believe isn't being put to test and on trial, you better wake up. I want to tell you, we're in a day where we're going to have to stand like these three young men. They sneer at the Davids, those who think they're in power and they have the might. And they say things like this, come, I will give your flesh to the beasts of the field. We will defy the Christian, we hate the Christian, we'll take all your rights, we'll do everything we can to minimize you because we don't want your old God, he's archaic, we want your book out of our schools, we got it, we want your prayers out of our schools, we got it, and now we want you out of the government and they may get it. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, it's the same contest I will give your flesh to the birds of the field and David can still reply this should be our reply 
You come with a sword and a shield, but I come in the name of the Lord of hosts, and all the earth may know that God is God. One problem we struggle with today is this. We desire to share with God. And that's okay to a point. And God shares a lot of things with us. You know, God gives you seven days a week. And he said, I want you to honor me on one of them. He gives us seven, wants to share one. God says, I'll give you income. I, I, will, I will give you gain. And all I want is 10%. He'll share it with us. And I'm going to tell you, we're on the large end of that sharing. In Eden, God let Adam name everything he created. He let him rule over everything he created. Don't kid yourself. God shares. He said, I, I give this to you. I give it to you. I've told you before, every blade of grass, leaf, every animal said, I love you. I love you. God saying, here I put you on this earth. I give you everything. But there's one thing God, ladies and gentlemen, will not share. He will not share his glory. Because he's the only one that's truly holy. God will not share his glory. Lucifer, an archangel in heaven, had great privileges. He was among the top three that we know of. The word Lucifer means bright star. But he wasn't satisfied that he was in the top three, if that be the case. He wanted to exalt himself above God's throne. He said, I will be the most high. I will rule. I will reign. My star will be above them all. I want the glory. I want to ask you something. Do we have people who are seeking glory today on this planet? Lucifer wanted to be the bright and morning star. He wanted to be God most high. And sin, let me just tell you, that's where it began with these two words. I will. I will exalt myself. I will ascend. I will be the most high. I will. I will. I will. And God, because he led rebellion against him, God said to Michael, one of the other third angels, cast him to earth, and he did. And waiting on that earth for Adam and Eve to be created was the same devil who lost it all in heaven and he said to us the same thing. Adam and Eve and he says to you today, it's your life, do what you want to do. I will, I will, I will. And me, myself, and I is the God of the Holy Trinity of humanity. You do what you want to do. <coughs> Excuse me. I will, I will, I will rules this world. So God cast him to planet earth. Because God said there'll be no other gods before me. Isn't it ironic that when Satan, <coughs> excuse me, arrived on earth, all of a sudden Satan thought he ruled it. He called the earth his kingdom. I love this. And God took dust. And he rolled it up. And he breathed into it. And he set dust over Satan. When Adam and Eve ruled, when Adam and Eve were created, they ruled Satan. Dust. I love the scripture in two ways. 
I love the scripture that says he remembers we are dust because when I faltered and failed, God, your mercy endures forever. But I like it when it says he remembers that we are dust. I know what God did with us when he created Adam and Eve. And thank God for the Christ we've been giving it in back. God took dust, let it rule over Satan. Then Satan went and tricked Adam and Eve. Then God dealt with the situation. Watch this. First with man. In essence, God said, Adam, you're fallen. Eve, you're fallen. I'll make a way to win you back. How many of you were lost? How many of you have sinned and come short of the glory of God? How many of you know none of us are righteous? No, not one. Oh, thank you, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for the striving of God and the striving of the Holy Spirit that made it possible that you and I can be called children of the Most <laughs> Through the centuries, He has wooed us and drew us and helped us, enlightened our mind and our soul and our spirit so that even though Satan tricked our forefathers, you and I can know that we are saved today. The second he, he dealt with Satan, God in essence said to Satan, I will still not give you charge. I'm going to put it like this. The seed of the dust that I breathe into will bruise your head. <laughs> and old Isaiah saw it. He prophesied it. He said a virgin will conceive isn't that just like God? To do something totally beyond what man can even comprehend. A virgin will conceive and she'll bear a child. And so as does every day, the devil decided, I'll get this generation. I'll get the next generation. And he tried Nebuchadnezzar's generation. The devil whispered through, <laughs> I'll just say it, through brown-nosing people. The devil said, King, we need to honor you. We need to establish your administration, your dominion, your leadership, your rule over the nation. So let's build an image and let's have a celebration and require everybody to bow. But let's not forget this, ladies and gentlemen. The alternative to bowing was burning. I want to paraphrase this. I'm speaking for the Hebrew, three Hebrew children. I, I'm saying it's paraphrased. Please understand. So they sang a verse and a chorus. And everybody bowed except three. Teenagers, that's why we have a youth pastor. That's why we have youth groups. That's why you have a pastor that preaches to you. I want you to know if everybody bows, I do not want you to bow. So I'm going to paraphrase. King, we don't need another verse. We don't need another course. We don't need any more formalities. We wish you the best. King, live forever. Do whatever you want. But when this is all over, sing on, harp on, flute on, crash the cymbals, have the ceremony, but bottom line, we will not bow. We will not give you that which only our God deserves. That's our worship and our lives. You will not receive it. <laughs> I 
And they ended it by saying, and our God will deliver us. Verse 15, Nebuchadnezzar said, who is that God? Are you kidding me? Who is, I, I love, the King James Version said, who was that God? And I liked it for my message today, so I used that. Who is that God? New King James says, who is the God? Who is the God get to deliver you from me? Listen, let me just bring us to date today. When you're in a society that is so accustomed to nothing gods, to nothing idols, to empty professions, to vain glory, when you're accustomed to gods that do nothing but <coughs> sit there and stare back at you wherever you place them, when you're accustomed to God <coughs> that you have to carry and that you have to create, <coughs> then no wonder the world asks, who is the God that can do something? How many of you know that our God can do something? How many of you know our God can do something? How many of you know our God can do something? He can do something. Let's be reminded, parents, grandparents, young, old, male, female, rich, bond, poor, or free. I don't care what your gender is, what your stature is in life. Listen, we have a God that created us. We have a God that will carry us, and he will dwell in us, and he picks us up, and he meets us at the altar, and he meets us in the hospital room, and when we're birthing our babies, and at the wedding altar, and the birth of our children and our grandchildren, he accompanies us and drives to work. He orders our steps so we have purpose and meeting in life. Ladies and gentlemen, our God is a God who does things. <laughs> who is that God? I love this. Wrote it out a long time ago. Just bear with me. Who is that God? The American history will answer and say, in his name we built a nation with more privileges and more people and more progress than ever before, and we will write on our coins and our money in him we trust. That's what our history would say. Who is that God? The industry must answer this. He's the Almighty One, the lawgiver who sets things in their design, who sets the rule over engineers so that their design, He is the one, so for their design, He sets the perimeter so engineers can build with confidence. The mariner has to answer that question. He is the God behind the comforting mystery of the magnetic North Pole. Who pulls the needle toward the compass? On the compass. The astronomer has to answer, who is that God? He will answer, he's the great timekeeper, the one who runs the stars so accurately that Greenwich time can be set on their split-second accuracy. Am I ever glad you know him? The horticulturist answers the question, who's the God that can rule? He, he's the creator who can place such tiny seed the distinct features that once it comes to fruition, it'll denote the color and the scent of a beautiful rose. That's who this God is. And for all of us today, the physician, he must answer, who is that God? He's the great designer who can build a chemical plant called a stomach. 
and he can take food and drink and organize it and distributes all of its nutrients to muscle, brain, bone, and blood and siphons off the waste. That's who this God is. Don't tell me there was some amoeba floating around where the, wherever the amoeba came from, in an ocean wherever that came from, and hits the sand wherever that came from, and climbed up, growing a tail, came to a tree wherever that came from. Somehow he was able to climb up it, hang on it, and develop the tail, and that's my ancestors. Don't argue. They may know more about your ancestors than you do. <laughs> I'm just having some fun. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I, I said to believe in, in Darwin's theory. Do you know he called it theory? We're the ones that want to take God out of it, and we try to teach our children. This is fact. Do things evolve? Yes, they do. Get one of the domestic pigs out here. Ask some of our guys about it who, who's a game rangers and working for the state of Oklahoma. They, these pigs, they start to dig, and they, the hormone makes the big tusk grow, and well, do, do, do things change? Yes. Can I just tell you something? God designed that. A theologian. To answer, who is that God? We must respond. He is the authority of the great book. No scholar can exhaust and no man can contradict. The musician, Henry. Guys, must answer, who is that God? He's the God of seven notes, of which there is an inexhaustible series of combinations. Seven notes. And let's take this on. The scientists. In answer to who is that God, he will acknowledge he is the mind of the universe. And only a God big enough to fireproof three Hebrew young men can pack into an atom the same constellation, motion, and rhythm of protons proceeding orderly and parade around neutrons as the stars move about the sun. That's who he is. The unbeliever has to respond this way. Eventually, every unbeliever will respond. He is the God that cannot be mocked. I serve a God who lost his own son and let him be sacrificed so that we can be saved. Then don't you turn around and trod his blood under your feet because you will not mock God. We've lost the fear of God today. I want to tell you something. God's not a tyrant, but he's a just God. For whosoever, whatsoever a man sows, that will he reap. God that with great long suffering woos you and draws me and you to eternity. The believer will say, as the three Hebrew children did, as the apostles did, I'll tell you who this God is. He is the God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or even think. He is able to keep your mind if it stayed on Him. He is able to keep your foot 
from stumbling. He is able to keep us from falling. He is able to present you and me faultless before the throne of God. What God is that? He is my personal Savior and Redeemer. He is all I need to get from this planet to eternal kingdom called heaven. And I'm going to trust Him above everybody. This year we're facing some uncertainties. Just like last year. But I want to tell you, Saint... How many of you are saved in this room? Let me see. How many of you are not ashamed to lift your hand and say, Pastor, I love the Lord. We don't face this year of uncertainties. We don't face it without a certain father. (laughs) And maybe you know he's a daddy God. This world is looking for a God. So I want to say this. We who are believers, let us believe in him. And let us be confident in him. Let us exemplify him as we show we trust in him let us present him as the answer to every need for a troubled world some of you heard me say this especially Wednesday night I love the story about a little boy in school suddenly a pop test and when the teacher started grading his paper all the blanks 20, 30 of them. In every blank, he wrote, wrote the word Jesus. In every blank, to every question, he wrote the word Jesus. When the teacher got it, she called him back to the desk and she said, I, I wish it were me, David. <laughs> she said, Son, what are you doing? In every blank, you've written to the questions the name of Jesus. He said, Well, teacher, yesterday I was in Sunday school. And my teacher said that he's the answer to every question. (laughs) And I'm absolutely madly in love with him. How about you? It hurts my heart to see this world scorn my Savior. To mock his name. To try to push him out of society. But I'm going to stand with the psalmist that wrote the 23rd chapter. I declare to you and I'm finished. The capital L Lord is my shepherd.